Thank you for choosing to listen to another exciting teaching from Revive Church. Please join us at either of our two Sunday morning locations, 9 a.m. at Revive Bitterroot, 3909 Highway 93 in Stevensville, or 10 a.m. at 2811 Latimer in Missoula. We also have a 6 p.m. evening service at 130 East Broadway in downtown Missoula. All right, I'm so packed and full with... um, what God's done in me over the last couple weeks. As I said, I started a couple weeks ago, and over since we began the new year, we've been preaching about Christianity. It's around a table, not just a temple. Uh, we've looked vertically at God and how he came down, and Jesus himself was at the table with men and women and boys and girls, and we have this amazing chance to have relationship with God vertically, but also Uh, I think the table speaks of our horizontal relationship with others. And that's what church is. Church was never meant to be an event. It was never meant to be a Sunday morning only kind of thing. It's meant to be a a team. It's meant to be uh, purposeful. It's meant to be personal, uh, not private. People say, well, that's my faith. It's private. Well, I mean, it kind of is private, but it's, it's, it's... it has to be uh, personal with others. It has to be shared, right? You can't, yes, you have your faith, but you can't, uh, it's not me, myself, and mine uh, in the Bible. And so God wants us, like in Romans twelve five, Christ makes us one body and individuals who are connected, everyone shout connected, connected to each other. We're meant to grow together. We're meant to challenge one another. We're meant to... Uh, spur one another on. As I said uh, two weeks ago, community is the place where we learn how to deal with our stuff. It's where we learn community. If you're not in community, you'll never learn how to deal. I know not all of us have stuff. Many of us are having a good day. How many know what having stuff feels like? Man, I got some stuff. It's in in the context of community and family and church. And I just heard this last week. Uh, Church is God's plan to make up for when our earthly family has failed or our earthly family hasn't uh, met the mark or earthly family hasn't gotten where it should be. God gives us another divine family that we plug into and it helps make us whole. Amen. It's why we love to be in church today. It's personal. Faith is personal, but it it really can't be totally private. And we looked at enemies of of that relationship. And I'll I'll review quickly uh, the first three, and we'll get to the fourth one that I didn't get to a few weeks ago. I do want to say the reason uh, the last two weeks for me have been a whirlwind. Uh, You're looking at me like you're always a whirlwind. Uh, <laughs> I, I think my personal mission statement is to lead people on an adventure in God. I, I feel like I'm, a, I'm like a, I'm not like a coach or even a pastor. And I, I'm more like a guide, like, come on, let's go. We're, we're going to storm the mountain of God. Um, life for me is more like the Alberton Gorge. It's not like just a nice Sunday paddle down the Blackfoot. Um, two weeks ago, actually some family over in Portland 
gave, gave my family a car, a Honda Pilot, a used Honda Pilot. So uh, I flew over to Portland on a Tuesday night with my son, uh, my one and only son. Uh, and we picked up this car and they graced us with one of the coolest gifts. My son's a Warriors fan. Uh, they said the Warriors are in town playing the Trailblazers and our best friends have season tickets in the ninth row. And they not only gave us a car, gave us tickets to the game. Uh, so we did that Wednesday night and then left the game to get down the road a ways. And I don't know if, has anyone noticed the weather? All over, like my parents had like a foot of snow in Tucson. Um, it took us two and a half days to drive home from, we hit like the Snowmageddon thing. Uh, the gorge, the gorge had like a foot and a half of snow. We we're hunkered down in hotels, barely made it to Coeur d'Alene. Then the pass had an avalanche. <coughs> I mean, it was, it was not so. Literally, all last two weeks ago was just disintegrated with me driving and my poor son in the back seat. Like my fists are clenched around the steering wheel all the way home. <coughs> but we made it. Uh, and then uh, this last week, I had the privilege of going to uh, Santa Ana, California, between LA, closer to LA, uh, between LA and uh, San Diego to Townsend and Cloud event called Ultimate Leadership. Uh, Townsend and Cloud, if you're not familiar with them, not now, don't get on your phones, but just Google Townsend and Cloud uh, or look up the book called Boundaries. They've sold millions and millions of books. I was gifted, uh, been a blessed couple weeks, a chance to go to their Ultimate Leadership event with about 35 to maybe 40 people with Townsend and Cloud who spent five days uh, pouring into us and sharing truth and uh, it was honestly unbelievable and I thought wow I could have used this 15 years ago going into ministry and uh, learning about their Christian psychologists who uh, believed that the answers that we need for success uh, are found in the Bible and they sought out to prove that uh, the Bible, you read the Bible, it's not going to make you crazy. It's actually going to make you a whole person. And so all their stuff uh, is based, psychology based on biblical principles. And you're thinking, wow, he's going to like fix us now. Um, but I, I went to this, um, uh, it was actually amazing. And, and I, I share this not just to share about the trip, but in reference to the message. Uh, they put me in a, a team of seven people, people from all around the country. I'm sitting by, as I sat down in the first session, I meet a guy uh, to my right named Ontario. Shake his hand. Where are you from? He said, I'm from Dallas, a uh, notable church there. And I said, oh, which one? Uh, the Potter's House. He's their young adults pastor uh, sitting by me. Uh, and then in my, in my team of seven, there's a girl who's a, on staff with uh, Redeemer Church in New York City. Counseling, she's a counseling pastor in New York City. Uh, they have a team of 50 people on staff as counselors at their church. And this, this blew my mind. Uh, she came with another girl that their church sponsored them to go. And then while we're at a lunch, another girl over here heard them talking and said, are you guys from Redeemer? And they said, yeah. 
And she said, so am I. I just got hired last week, and I'm here too. They worked at the same church and didn't even know. Um, that's a big church. <laughs> that's, so they didn't even, you know, know that, oh, cool. Well, I'll see you at staff time. Or, um, um, and I'm, I'm from Montana. But ling ding 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 ding. I got a pickup truck. Um, I was way out of my depth. Uh, about half the people were business leaders at this event, and Townsend and Cloud actually they said eighty percent of their time is is helping not only Christian leaders but leaders around our country uh, be healthy. Imagine that. And um, Henry Cloud, who's one of the guys I met him, and he said, well, where are you from? I, oh, I'm Josh from Montana. He said, I was just there. I was in Bismarck. <laughs> right. I said, that's in like the, I didn't even know. I, it was so confusing. I drew a blank. I said, that's in like Dakotas. That's not us. And he said, he had to, oh, he travels so much, he opened his phone. Well, let me look. He goes, oh, I was in Bozeman. Right. So I said, what church? Because I think church setting, it, you know, that's my default. And he said, no, I was with the Yellowstone Club up at Big Sky, and their executives brought me in to do coaching with their team. And so these were the guys I got to be with, um, and they shared an amazing truth, but and I, I hope over the next few weeks to maybe share some of the things I gleaned, but uh, what was more remarkable was the team of seven people I was with for five days, we took what they talked about and hashed out issues. We prayed for one another. We had a kind of someone who was helping our, our group uh, learn and pray for one another and dive into issues of the past, and that group of seven, we became amazingly close, and what I took away more than anything was when you get in healthy, challenging, godly community, things happen. I've probably gotten about, I don't know, 35 texts from this group of six other people since we've all praying for you. You know, how's Montana? Uh, man, I just got home to New York. Man, I just got home to Delaware. How are you doing? And, and something happens when we get in the trenches and true community happens. And I, I want to capture just that thought as we, as we conclude this table series. God connects us. Uh, we're one body and many individuals who are connected to each other. And just for me, getting connection with people I've never met from the body of Christ, all Christians, uh, and being challenged to grow and be a better leader was stunning. And I want to challenge us as a church and as a community. Let's just not be people that sit in chairs and stare at the back of someone's head on a Sunday and leave. I believe God wants to make us an incredibly deep and purposeful family. So, um, relationships break down super easy, don't they? Um, just to review, um, and, and I, I want to get this. We, guys, as, especially as a charismatic church, we often get the vertical 
connecting with God. Worship was amazing today. Jim and Callie, um, incredible. I think we get that, man. God's our answer. God's our help. But if we don't have the horizontal, the, the connection with people, we will dry up and die in our faith. And so we grow one this way to God, and we grow tighter with each other, and that makes us strong believers. And so maybe you have strained relationships or strained marriage or even things in your childhood that have affected you. God is the healer. Come on, God's the healer. We looked at uh, the first thing a few weeks ago. Selfishness destroys relationships, doesn't it? And we talked about how selflessness uh, is the antidote. It's the prescription. It's the Rx. It's this being selfless helps us get over selfishness. I joked about when the baby cries, or if you've ever raised kids and you hear the baby crying and you're one of the parents who lays in bed pretending to be asleep. You're laughing because you did that. <laughs> Are they going to get up? <laughs> a few times my wife said, I know you can hear them. <laughs> You're right, babe. Um, the second enemy of, that kills relationships is pride. Pride, being prideful, being haughty, arrogant spirit. And, and God's answer is humility. Finding a humble and contrite heart, taking the log out of our own eye. Before we try to address something in anyone's life, man, God, is there a log or a plank in my own eye before I look at the speck in someone else's? Humility uh, is the amazing antidote for uh, pride in our lives. The third was insecurity. We talked about Proverbs 29, the fear of human opinion disables if you, if you have fear in, in your heart or your life of other people or what they think about you, I want, maybe you walk in a room, I wonder what they're, if they really knew the real me. Maybe you have an insecurity because what was done to you. That's so common. It destroys relationships. It, it's, a, it's a crutch and it allows you not to or it divides you from other people and keeps you from being close. Remember Adam and Eve? They're finding fig leaves. They're totally insecure. Why? Because they had sin in their life and they couldn't approach God and they, it said they were naked and ashamed. <clears throat> I, I wonder what are the fig leaves in our lives that we try to hide behind. I think some of those come about because of insecurity. Maybe you've wrestled with insecurity. You know what stops that? Love. Being truly loved for who you are. And knowing that God loves you. 1 John 4.18, love has no fear because perfect love expels fear. It gets rid of fear. If we are afraid, it shows that his love has not been perfected in us. I love that verse. I would, I would love for love to be perfected in me. Wouldn't you? And God, perfect your love in me. And the thing that stops it is, is fear or insecurity. And so those were three enemies of the table. If, you, if we think of just symbolically the table being our family, 
the table being our marriage, the table being our church, the table being relationship. Maybe, you've, maybe you, you have trouble getting close to someone. It might be one of those three enemies that stop you. Or the fourth. And this one's tough. We're going to have to roll up our sleeves today and, and deal with it. Who's ready to deal with an enemy today? The fourth enemy is resentment. Resentment destroys relationships. And I want to say this. Um, I heard this great illustration over the last week. Uh, maybe it's been uh, insecurity or pride or selfishness or even resentment or that's, that's got you trapped or, or there's an issue in your life that you're stuck. And I think it was Henry Cloud uh, use this illustration. He said, sometimes we fall into such a deep pit in life, we can't get out. And he said, I want you to picture a, a well that's 40 feet deep, and you fell in it. You did, I don't know what the issue is, if it's addiction, if it was abuse, uh, if it's anger, if it's something you've dealt with your whole life, uh, you're down in a well. 40 feet down. And what often happens, and Christians, we do this, we come up to the well and we see a brother or sister down there. Thank you. Is my voice scratchy? <laughs> now I, have, I had one up here and I forgot about it. Thank you. Thanks, John. Um, if you, maybe you're down in the well. You know what you don't need in the well? is someone to tell you you're in the well. <laughs> Man, you've got issues. How did, why did you do that to yourself? Didn't you see the well there? How did, did, you know, how did you get down there? Or you shouldn't have got yourself in that place. Come on, does that help anyone? Pointing out the issue? Man, you're really messed up. I know. Right? Or even, let me throw you a rope. Let me throw you a prayer. Sometimes even as well-meaning Christians, someone's down in the well, and, and we want to try to help them, but we're, we're shouting from way up here. Do you know what, what we need to do if we're going to be a community, if we're going to be connected, if we're really going to help one another? Do you know what you need to do? Jump in the well with them. Get in there, get in with someone with them and say, man, I'm going to help. I'm, I'm going to, it's not even about advice. I'm going to get in here and, and help you through this. I'm just going to be with you and listen. I'm going to be with you and pray with you. I'm going to be with you and encourage you. And so maybe it's one or the other. Maybe you're someone who's, man, I, I've been stuck in something. God wants to see you set free today. Or maybe you're someone who's willing to help or even offered to help. Pray to the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Man, how, how can I get in the well with someone else and help lift, lift them out? Amen? Resentment destroys relationship. To worry yourself to death with resentment is a foolish, senseless thing to do. That was one of Job's buddies. And I know they didn't give it, uh, the best advice, but... It really is true, isn't it? To worry with resentment. Uh, it's a senseless, it's a foolish thing to do. And Job's going, hey, I'm in a well here. And he had all his friends coming to, to give him advice. But we know that, don't we? Resentment dis is a huge 
disabler, resenting family, resenting a relationship, resenting what happened to you. Uh, I, they quoted the, the stat, and I don't know the study, but did you know 85% of the things you worry about won't happen? How many of you guys are chronic worriers? You worry about worrying. If you lay, this is you totally. If you lay to bed, if you go lay your head on the pillow at night and you start thinking about everything that could happen this week, you need freedom, <laughs> right? Worry, res resentment, worrying uh, won't fix anything. And it may be because you have resentment of, man, you lost trust somewhere along the way with what was done to you, what someone said to you, what another church person did to you. Maybe you have a church wound or something happened and, and maybe you don't have trust in God that he's going to care for you. It's really a lack of trust in God. Uh, and the other 15%, life happens, doesn't it? Life does it. Life is challenging, and it'd be so much better not to worry. Come on, good message, Josh. Resentment comes from, it does come, here's a few ways it comes from being hurt. And I don't mean to make light of this because we get hurt. Maybe you're resentful because you didn't grieve something appropriately. Like a loss. You didn't grieve it, and so you're, you've, you've allowed resentment to come in. Maybe you had an agenda in life or in church or in the workplace, and someone else was promoted, and your agenda didn't make it. You might be resentful. Uh, maybe comparing. Maybe you looked at it and thought, wow, why are they blessed? But I'm here struggling. Anyone ever struggle with comparing? Maybe it's a sibling. You know, how, how many had Brother Wonderful? Oh, they're the favorite. Don't raise your hand. I saw a few hands start to go up. You know what? Maybe, maybe, was that Heather laughing? <laughs> oh, come on. Um, maybe you were the strong one in the family, the strong sibling, and you were just expected to, like, be strong, but the other one's got the attention. <coughs> right? I, it, this is real stuff. I, I, I don't want to make it awkward, but it's, it's real stuff. Maybe comparing. Maybe, maybe you compare. Um, maybe you had a family that, and this is, I have a great family. And uh, mom and dad, if you're listening to this, I forgive you. Um, we had a great family, but I'm not sure we were brilliant, to borrow an English phrase, at talking about issues. It's kind of like things would happen and we would all know it. <laughs> but never really talk about it. And it's like, okay, we're through that. It's under the rug. Right? Let's onward Christian soldier. Be strong. As kids, that's some good parents. Hear me. Uh, I think we could do a better job as Christian parents of let's talk about stuff. I mean, kids are hearing so much in school these days. I, I think it'd be, we'd, we'd, we'd rather err on over-communication in this day and age. Let's talk about stuff. Uh, maybe you're in a family that just never dealt with issues. Uh, you can tell I have some resentment about that. 
or have had to pray about that because we just didn't deal with things sometimes. I'll give you an example since you're staring at me and you're real quiet. Um, uh, my brother had cancer, contracted, I don't know the right word. Ding, 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 ding. He had cancer when he was five. And it was, my parents were in between medical insurance. My dad in his 40s at that time was uh, basically retired and lost everything. And so he moved away to work for a while, which caused a separation between my parents for a season. I don't know if I've shared that with you guys. I probably have because I'm a classic overshare. Um, and I have issues. <laughs> That's why they send me to these retreats. <laughs> that was your biggest amen all day. Come on. Seriously, um, don't we all? You've come to the right place. Um, so, in God's sovereign plan, actually, my parents' heart came back together, and uh, my brother uh, got through that surgeries and chemotherapies. It's really hard seeing a little five-year-old kid bald and you know lose his hair and get skinny. And you can kind of, th- I was resentful not only at God, but my folks. That was tough. Uh, but for years, what's interesting, we never really talked about that. They got back together, and yeah, it was a blessing, but I think I struggled for a few years not really dealing with that, and it was easy to become resentful. Uh, and I have to say, they've been, they have been brilliant. Uh, in the past, we have had some talks at the table. You know, Mom, Dad, I was really uh, ticked off at you. Choose my words carefully. I, I really was ticked off. And uh, sometimes it's so helpful to... You have to have those conversations. You have to deal with resentment will destroy. It's an enemy of the table. It's an enemy of family. It's an enemy of community. Is anyone hearing me today? Uh, We have to be so honest. And, uh, you know, I'm on the wrong page. For crying out loud. Matthew 6, 27, uh, which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his life? Sometimes resentment comes in. If we don't deal with it, we're anxious, we're angry, we're bitter, we're overly historical. Let me explain that. Have you ever, um, uh, with your spouse, has something that happened maybe weeks or months or years ago come back into the present? Maybe you've had an argument, and what happens often if we live in resentment or we've never resolved our issues in our family, is um, something may come up, and it's like the straw that broke the camel's back. Do you know that phrase? It's like you've been going through life, and it's been tough, and you've been, you know, oh, I'm going to make it. I'm pressing on. I'm being strong. You know, and then all of a sudden, one little word is said. I don't know about you. Have you ever had an argument over the dumbest thing? I, you know, and let me say this. Wow. Um, Never have those discussions, difficult discussions, at 11 p.m. at night. 
<laughs> preach. <laughs> you know what I mean? You haven't connected with your spouse. You haven't talked. You finally go to bed, and you sit there, and, and this is my poor wife's teaching Sunday school, but um, I've been sitting in bed, and I brought something up, and the light, you hear the click, and the light comes on. And you're like, oh, gosh, the light's on. I'm not going to bed now. Come on, the light. Uh, and you think, okay. You know, we have a rule. It's like, we're not sane right now. We have five kids. We're busy. We're tired. A, a sane conversation is not going to happen at midnight. But you've got to have those discussions. You gotta, you've got to deal with things. And, but what often happens if there's unresolved hurt in our past, or if you've gone through your whole life without grieving, without repenting, uh, you've allowed resentment to build up, what happens is you get uh, historical. So they bring something up, and what do you do? Oh, yeah, well, you, owe, you always. Have you ever used it? You always do this. That's, that doesn't, that's, like, that's like having a bonfire and getting a can of gas. You know what I mean? It's, that's never, that's never. <laughs> never, always, you always. That won't resolve anything. It's, call it getting historical. So just a quick clue, and it's a painful question. If you find yourself getting historical, you probably have resentment. You probably have unresolved issues. You've got to fight. For, it makes you anxious. It makes you wonder what they're going to say. It makes you edgy where it is the straw that breaks the camel's back when if, if you're someone that blows up or gets easily angered, uh, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to come. And maybe you need help walking through some healing. Good word, Pastor John. Um, I'm not trying to be built up myself. I'm just hoping that you hear it. Um, Psalms 73, since my heart was embittered and my soul deeply wounded, I was stupid and could not understand. We tell our kids not to say the word stupid, but I see the Bible does there. Um, there's being wounded and then there's deeply wounded. What does it talk about wounds of a friend? Sometimes the people, why is it that the people closest to us are the ones we can have the most grievous disagreeance is with? I didn't say that right. I think it's an attack of the enemy. He tries to get the people around you that it's like if a t you can tell, and I've seen, I'm a basketball fan, but you can tell when a team doesn't have chemistry. You ever notice that? They could have the best stars, and they call them super teams, especially in the NBA, where they have this collection of kind of stars. And it, just because you have a star on the team doesn't make them a good team. They may not have chemistry, uh, but the, I think the devil wants to attack marriage. He wants to attack family. He wants to attack the basic building block of what church is. And that's, that's family, guys. And so what happens is instead of finding support from the one you're closest to, the enemy starts to whisper in your ear, yeah, do you remember what they, remember what they did months ago? You'll never get over that hurt, that deep 
uh, that deep wound. And guys, it takes, it takes power of the Holy Spirit to heal a deep wound. It takes being in community. It takes getting out to an encounter weekend and saying, man, uh, I want to be whole. It takes someone praying with you. It takes someone on your side, knowing that people care. Maybe you're the kind of person that has had church wounds and you've struggled. You, you just come in. Um, my wife said this one time to me last week. No. <laughs> a while. This is actually a couple years ago. But she said, babe, it's like you always have your armor on. Is it Galatians 5, the armor of God? Ephesians 5, um, Ephesians 5, my Bible degree is from the U of M, so um, it's just coming to mind, this wasn't in the notes, um, the armor of God in Ephesians, put on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, right, all, all the belt of truth. All these things, we go into battle and onward Christian soldiers, and we are taught to fight, right? The weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but mighty and gone through the pulling down of strongholds. We are fighters. You guys are survivors. You're intercessors. You pray and you battle and we contend. Someone say a huge amen. That's who we are. But the sword of the Spirit isn't meant for family. It's really, I know we, iron sharpens iron, but when it comes to brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus did challenge his guys, but he often brought the towel. He washed their feet. He was the servant of all. I didn't come to be served, but to come to serve, but to be served and give my life as a ransom. And it was through a difficult season in ministry where my wife said, man, you, you always, you've seem edgy. You've been fighting too long. We need places where we can take our armor off people we can be honest with and open with and pray with and not defensive against. Do you have your armor on all the time? Sarcastic, edgy, kind of gnarly? Um, and God needs to come. You, you're dealing with, look, we all blow it. We all make mistakes. It's what the Bible calls sin. I sin, you sin, the Pope sins. Right? Every, we are all sinners. I don't bat a thousand. Why are you telling me this? Because not all of us add up to God's standards, and that's why we have conflict, because we're people. Right? And because we're all imperfect, and because you're imperfect, you're going to hurt people. That's encouraging. We do. It's life. We hurt people, and we say silly things. Have you ever said the wrong words, and you, you were like, oh, words Come back. It, words are like toothpaste. If you squeezed all the toothpaste out, and have you ever tried to get it back in the tube? You can't. It's out. It's gone. Um, we do hurt people, but that's why God came. That's why we have the gospel. Are you going to allow him to work? Are you going to allow him to... Uh, help you get better? Do you want to stay bitter? People like to stay bitter. It's so weird. 
because they're so used to being, they're, they, they've grown comfortable or codependent with their life that they've let bitterness be the norm. Instead of health, instead of health that's um, resentment. Mark six nineteen. there's this incredible uh, scripture. I won't have you turn there, but it's um, <coughs> talking about uh, Herodias. She's, uh, I th- is it the sister of Herod? Uh, John the Baptist told Herod that it was not lawful for him to marry his brother's wife. Can you imagine the nerve of him saying that? Herodias hated John the Baptist uh, because of that. And while there's little she could do about it, the Bible says that she uh, carried, listen to this, these words, she carried a grudge. The NIV says she nursed a grudge. I've heard of nursing a baby, but she nursed a grudge. Come on, little grudge. <laughs> you know, come on, little buddy. I want to take my grudge and hold him and nurse him. That's weird. Um, uh, well, yeah, I'm not going to pretend to do that. Um, it's such a vivid image. I've heard of nursing. You know, you want to nurse your family. You want to care for your family. You want to take care of it. But nursing, have you ever nursed a grudge? If you've lived in resentment, you have. And what's so scary about it, if it continues in an extreme case, uh, it did lead to murder in John's case. She had such a grudge, uh, they asked for his head. Right? John is beheaded, pulled out of prison. Uh, resentment and grudges and holding something against someone is so dangerous to our health. I shared this just little phrase a couple weeks, two weeks ago. Experience in history tell, tell us that in marriage, opposites attract. How many would find that is true in your marriage? You can lift your hand in this part. It couldn't be more true for Jess and I. It's so cool because, because we complement each other in so many ways. Um, because she's not here, I won't go into all those. Um, opposites attract, but later opposites attack. People get together. Uh, there's the honeymoon phase. Man, I love you, babe. You're so amazing. And all of a sudden, those things that drew you to that other person can cause you to attack that other person when you've been in the trenches of marriage. Hebrews 12:15 says this, Look after each other. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. Isn't there a flower, the bitter root? This issue, I'm glad I took one message to look at this because um, selfishness and pride, uh, the others we talked about are super challenging. Resentment is like a bitter root. It's not just something on the surface. I, I want to go after something deeper. It's something deep down in your life, and there's a root of bitterness that grows down, and it affects your whole life. If it's not pulled out by God from the root, <coughs> there's no way to move ahead. 
Some of you try to deal with habits in marriage or in life, but those are just symptoms. And there might be a root of bitterness that God today, by his spirit, wants to say, hey, let's pull that out. Let's start today. And, and, and maybe it's a healing process, but God, through his power, there is hope in God. It's the words that Robin and Bob shared during worship. There's hope and there's freedom and there's life and God is so good. If you've been nursing a grudge, it's time to cut it off, right? So what's the antidote? What's the, R, what's the prescription, the Rx? Enough bad news, who's ready for the good news? Um, the antidote is forgiveness. So simple. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person that has offended you. And remember last week we talked about a fake apology? That's the one where you go, man, I'm sorry I made you mad. Think about it. I'm sorry for your reaction. No. Man, I was wrong. I take responsibility. I take the beam out of my own eye before I even look at the speck at yours. <coughs> Forgiveness with my parents. And what we went through as a family, we went through a lot of forgiveness. But to hear your parents, it's so amazing. Parents, it's so amazing to hear your parents say, man, would you forgive me? We maybe didn't make all the right choices. And if you're a parent, you know that you don't. Can I get a witness? I apologize to my kids all the time. Man, would you forgive me? I'm sorry. I, I was angry. I, I, I didn't do that well. I didn't do that right. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks resentment. If you harbor unforgiveness or resentment, you're not only harming yourself, you're harming the other person. You're harming that relationship and you're going to make it impossible to move ahead in God. Colossians 3.13 Remember the Lord forgave you, so you forgive others. Titus 3, 3 through 7. Once our lives were full of resentment and envy, but then, everyone say, but then. Christ saved us, not because we were good enough to be saved, but because of his kindness and love by washing away our sins and giving us the new joy of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all because of what Jesus, our Savior, did so that he could declare us good in God's eyes. Wow. The Lord says, forget what happened before. Do not think about the past. I'm going to do something new. I will make rivers in a dry land. Thank you, Lord, for hope. Forgiveness means caring. Uh, I heard this years ago, but as believers and as just people, we have to care enough to confront. How many of you how do I ask it? How many of you don't like confrontation? Be proud. You just let things kind of... Because we owe it to ourselves and to people in the body of Christ. And it, no one likes Captain Confrontation who's going to like the, the moral code guy who's like got the huge Bible. And I don't mean that. Like, but I mean, 
when there's something that's unhealthy in your life or someone close to you, by not confronting it is saying, man, I'd rather us go along and be unhealthy. Confront, if you break down the word con and front, it means to turn and to face into. Face into, confront, to turn. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this thing head on. And the key is forgiveness. The key is coming into issues. And man, I forgive you. Would you forgive me? I'm sorry I didn't act appropriately and resonate with people and, and come in not judging them, but saying, man, I want to bring forgiveness into this, God's forgiveness into the situation so it can heal. And if you're a believer and you don't offer forgiveness, uh, but you've received the for, what he's, the Bible's saying is, man, you've gotten God's forgiveness in your life. So how dare we not allow someone else to be offered forgiveness from us? Right? So forgiveness, if resentment destroys relationship, forgiveness heals them. It builds, it builds them up. One of the most resentful people in the Bible, <clears throat> here's the last meal. We've looked at all kinds of meals over the last few weeks. The Last Supper, we looked at the, the woman who broke the flask over Jesus' feet. Bruce talked about a few uh, weeks, it must be about five weeks ago, about the power of an ordinary meal and sitting at a table with people. We've looked at uh, all these different meals, but there's one meal that stands out to me that is an example of resentment, and that's the story of what we call the prodigal son. Do you know that in Luke 15, is it? Uh, and it's called that, the prodigal son, but I might suggest it should be called the prodigal sons, because it's really not a story about one son, it's a story about two sons. We look at the one who ran away and is kind of the wild child. And, uh, but it's really about the second son who didn't come to the meal. He didn't come to the banquet. And if you don't know the story, there's a man with two sons. Uh, they're given their inheritance. Or the one demanded, the youngest son demanded his inheritance. And he went off and he spent it in wild living. And he's, he's basically destitute. He's eating with pigs. He's in a pig pen. The pigs he's supposed to feed. He's totally at rock bottom, and he comes crawling home. And the father, what does he do? Get out of here, son. Huh? What does he do? Welcomes him, runs to him, gives him a robe, gives him a ring, throws him a party. And the older son, the good son, see, one tried to find fulfillment uh, in self-discovery, that's how he's going to find out who he is. I'm going I'm to go experience the world. That's kind of our world today. Make your own rules, right? <clears throat> There's no absolute truth. Just go out and find, live your life. But the older son was the good son, right? The good boy didn't break the rules. He, what, he was resentful. Dad, here I've been. All this while, slaving away, he's, if the first son is into self-discovery, the older son is a moralist. He's trying to get approval from the father by being good. In his view, obedience is the key. And we, this has been taught in Christianity for years, that the key to Christianity is obedience. No, obedience is, is something that we get when we know the father loves us. It's in response to a gospel. We don't obey to be loved. We obey because we are loved, right? And so one is off in the world. We, I'm going to 
have fun. And the other one is trying to get approval by being good. Both are wrong. Both are lost. Both are prodigals. One's lost out of the house, but one's lost in the house. And what happens to him? Resentment. So much resentment. He hates his, what happened to his younger brother so much that he leaves and isn't at the banquet. Think about that. And I, I wonder, in a room this size, what toll resentment has taken in our lives. I wonder. But I know God wants to erase that. Don't dwell on the past. So well, it's easy for you to say you don't know what I went through. Well, I've been through stuff too. A lot of everyone in here has. God, by the power of his spirit, can kill that enemy resentment and offer forgiveness. Maybe you need to be forgiven. Maybe you've never forgiven yourself. Maybe it's not the younger brother or someone in the family. Maybe, maybe you've done things and you think, man, I, I've never really gotten over the things I've done to myself or the regrets you have. I believe today... Um, I know we sit in rows and we're talking about a table, not just a temple. But I think we need to be like a great big messy family. Church should be like a great big messy family dinner. All the time where there's tears, where there's arguments, where there's talking, where there's encouragement, cheering one another on. One thing we do, we have favorite part of the day, every, every dinner. And I shared this, guys, families... Uh, on average, at the most, eat three times uh, dinner, dinners a week together. Some families, only one meal a week together a dinner. We need to be like a family again as a church. We need to model it for the world. One thing we do is we have favorite part of the day, and we go around the table, and, you know, what happened today? And just hearing my kids say, oh, it was this, it was that. Watching my sibling do this. And we've got to find ways to, to make church more like a family meal than an event. And we also need to be honest. You guys, we don't have enough time on this earth to not be honest. There's souls out there. And the things we've carried, yeah, I don't mean to minimize or mitigate what's happened to you, but haven't you carried it enough? nurse the grudge long enough. Let's be the best forgivers on the planet. You might have to care enough to confront and turn and face. Not barge in to resolve conflict. It's not barging in, well, I'm going to list everything you did. First, have a caring heart. Be sympathetic. Take the beam out. Find common ground. If you have, if you've been historical, like I said earlier, man, maybe your ammo in marriage or in disagreements has been going back to the past and pulling some things that happen. Maybe you need help. You got to deal with those. So your, your present can take you into your future and God. We'll, we'll, I'll help if there's things, but, but get rid of those so resentment can be washed away. And let's find forgiveness. We can only find it because of the cross, right? 
he forgave us of our sins. Thank you. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for a bloody cross and an empty tomb. Those words that you shouted from the cross, you could have easily become uh, resentful. But you said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I have a feeling uh, just in the room, there could be all kinds of things that need to be, people might need prayer for today. They might be going home to a situation they need to grapple with. And I pray uh, by the power of your spirit, help us be a church that comes to the table. And also, there may be people here today that don't feel welcome at the table. You, You might be feeling, man, if you knew what I brought. But we say that's nonsense. That's a lie of the enemy. You said go into the highways and the byways and bring them to this great banquet. Maybe there's people who've resented a sibling or resented their parents or like the older brother, uh, they have been good. They've, they've, they've been keeping check marks or kept score. But that's not how Christianity works. We pray today that by the power of your spirit, would you bring healing and wholeness, freshness to our faith. And if anyone needs prayer, God, I pray you compel them to someone agree with them today to not go another day resenting and if there's a difficult conversation an honest conversation that just needs to happen please help us be the best at that just not at 11 o'clock at night in Jesus name Amen Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your lives may God richly bless you in the upcoming year